Hello and welcome to the Popcorn Counter for the Two Real Cinema Club. Um, we're a bit of a serious popcorn counter this time around. So you know, after we watch the film, we come back to the popcorn counter and we usually talk about ideas that have come up when we saw this week's films or previous films or just notions that we haven't had the time and the uh, the space to cover in the main pod. This week we're going to talk about something a little bit different. So this is a story which caught my eye, which I think is worth discussing. So uh, French actor Adèle Hanel, um, a couple of weeks ago, she very publicly retired from the film business. Cannes is going on at the moment. And this has kind of been like a new story that's slightly underpinning Cannes or maybe overshadowed by Cannes. Um, so she announced her um, retirement. She's a much decorated French actor, most famous for uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which I have not seen. Have you seen that? I have not, no. Um, mm. But uh, she published this letter in the French magazine Telerama um, talking about her retirement. I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to read this letter. So this is the English translation of the letter. The letter was in French. I got the translation from the internet. I'm just going to read it um, and then maybe we'll talk about it. But I think this is you know, uh, touches on some ideas that I think are worth discussing. Okay. So Adele Hanel, she writes, I decided to politicise the end of my cinema career to denounce the generalised complacency of the profession towards sexual aggressors and more generally the way in which this industry collaborates with the mortifying ecocide and racist order of the world as it is. Let's make it clear. Biodiversity is collapsing. The militarisation of Europe is spiralling out of control. Hunger and misery continue to spread. And yet this industry, collegially gathered at the Caesar Awards, promoting its films, is obsessed with remaining light and talking about nothing. In the context of a historical social movement, we are waiting to see if the film industry's pundits are counting, like the sponsors of the luxury industry, on the police to keep everything going as usual on the red carpets of the Cannes Festival. Filling the media space with this void has a purpose, to make the bourgeois order as natural as the blue sky, to make the voices of those who organise resistance so that all humans can live with dignity so that a future can be wrested from this planet inaudible and marginal. To continue to make this system desirable is criminal. It is urgent. There is no longer a livable future for anyone in the very short term within the framework of capitalism. It is urgent to voice this alarm as loudly as possible. But they all join hands to save the face of Depardieu, of Depardieu Polanski or Boutonat. It bothers them. It bothers them that the victims make too much noise. They prefer that we continue to disappear and die in silence. They are ready to do anything to defend their rapist bosses. Those who are so rich that they believe themselves to be of a superior species. Those who spectacularise this superiority by wallowing in pig-like noises, by objectifying women and subordinates. The leaders stand up and fart. The minions of capital sneer and applaud. They clutch their glasses of champagne rosé, ready to sing to these ultra-rich, lobotomised by power, all their best songs to tell them that they will always be the most innocent. That it's true that the poor are poor, and it's unfortunate that women are raped, and it's unfortunate, but it's not the fault of the rich or the system that exploits them. 
And besides, the big industry produces in homeopathic doses films about heroic poor people, exceptional women, just to capitalise more and more on us without giving any strength to our movement. Let's keep everyone in their rightful place. I will say it again. Shame. Faced with the bourgeoisie's monopoly of speech and finances, I have no other weapons than my body and my integrity. Cancel culture in its literal meaning. You have the money, the strength and all the glory. You gargle with it, but you won't have me as a spectator. I cancel you from my world. I leave. I go on strike. I join my comrades for whom the search for meaning and dignity takes precedence over the search for money and power. Since 2019, I've continued my artistic work in theatrical and choreographic collaboration with Giselle Vienne. She is an artist who builds one of the most powerful works I've ever encountered. In the face of the detachment, emptiness and cruelty that the film industry sets up as an operating principle, the meaning, the work and the beauty that she constantly puts into play are a light that allows me to keep faith in what the power of art can mean. So that is her letter. She touches on a lot of points which we kind of sometimes discuss here on the pod. Um, do you think um, that this is a call to arms that we should be listening to? I think it's a really well-written analysis of reality for sure. Um, and I think it's... It's great that she has really stood up for something and decided to leave the industry for very valid reasons, and she's articulated those reasons. I think that's brilliant. Um, so um, I like that she talks about, at the very end, the power of art, what art can mean. And I think she's conflicted like so many artists and filmmakers probably are that it ultimately becomes about selling things and it becomes a business and the business businesses let's say of art can really lead to ruin because generally the people who are most interested in business, the people who are most interested in money and money is basically power. So you're looking at working with people who are really more interested in just having more power. And I think that's the, at the heart of it. What struck me halfway through your reading with a, um, this could really be said about a lot of different kinds of business and, and, and industry. I think they're all polluted with a lot of uh, sort of machismo and just a capitalist worship. And I think um, so that as much as it's a letter to the film industry, I think it actually also um, could almost apply to any other industry. It seems from, from my perspective here in the States anyway. Um so I'll start with that, and then I want you to share a little bit of what you think as well. Well, I, I mean, it, it kind of raises this big question, which I'm never really sure how to approach, is about separating the art from the artist. Yeah. Um, a little while ago, I, uh, I think it might have been when we were talking about um, Avatar Way of Water, mm -hmm. and we were discussing, well, you know, what, what film should we compare this with? And I was going to suggest uh, Knife in the Water, the early Polanski sure. film. Sure. But I, I feel like I want to say, you know, do we still watch films by Roman Polanski or do we not? Um, uh, it's to you know, make a choice about what you expose your eyeballs to is a political decision, isn't it? I think you know politics extends into every corner of 
of mm. you know, what we do and the choices that we make. Um, you know, and maybe I kind of feel like, you know, well, perhaps we shouldn't be talking about Polanski films. Yeah. You know, perhaps it's right that he should be cancelled. But then what about films that were produced by Harvey Weinstein? Mm-hmm. You know, are we going to throw those on the bonfire? I mean, maybe we should. Maybe that's the right thing to do. Yeah. What about Woody Allen? Should we still be, you know, uh, we were laughing about Annie Hall um, just a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But should yeah. we still be laughing about Annie Hall? How wide do we spread the net? Um, and does cancelling people then also negate the work of people who were involved in these works who aren't rapists yeah. or sex offenders? Precisely. Um, you know, a cinema is the symphony of the arts. Yeah. It takes more than one person to make a film, no matter what any director might tell you. Yeah. Um, where do we draw the line? What is our role in trying to effect change i don't really know i find these i find these questions very hard i think they are i think the most important thing to to be is aware i think we need to know about um some of these players in the industry and mostly some of these men who have uh, pasts that we weren't really uh, aware of previously so as long we the first thing is we just have to know who's who and what they're doing and what they're really like and it, it it i know it becomes really really um discouraging because there's just so many bad men involved in in hollywood but again as i said earlier probably in a lot of different businesses in a lot of different industries um but you know we've swept a lot of our history in this country under the rug and we don't want to look at it i think what's happening right now with um wokeism if you want or just this cultural awareness is we're starting to really look more honestly at our history so it's 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 fantastic if we get the information so we know who these people are um, in terms of separating the art from the artist, you know, I don't watch Woody Allen anymore because he makes shite films now. <laughs> um, so it's not even a question for him anymore. And I think I can say the same for Roman Polanski. I haven't seen a Polanski film in at least 20 years. So I'm, I'm just not watching these guys anymore anyway. Um, but she, you know, in, in asking that question, it occurred to me that she's doing exactly that. She's separating herself as an artist from her art, which is filmmaking. Um, she's taking herself out of that industry because of it. So, yeah, I think these guys are going to die off or be uh, canceled to the point where they'll be out of the industry anyway. But you're, you're right. We've got these records of, you know, there were there were some great Woody Allen films that I saw as a kid before when I was ignorant. I was ignorant about his past and I was also ignorant as like, I was just so young that I enjoy them and they, they live in my memory somewhere nostalgically but um you know manhattan does make me just cringe i mean he's with um uh, a, a young hemingway is that mary hemingway there um, yeah and she's 18 he's talking about her in high school at the time or 16 or something like that um and i guess what is he is he being super honest at that moment and making that film that he casts himself with such a young girl uh, maybe he was telling us something um but and I know that on other levels, like in terms of, as you said, like the the the, the cinematography of that film is beautiful. So are you going to cancel the the entire film and the cinemat- cinematographer's work as well because uh, Woody Allen is who he is? Um, so it's, it, I understand why you're resting because those are some people who've made great films. And, you know, and we could have watched Knife in the Water, of course. Um, but it's yeah, it definitely puts everyone into a like this troublesome place because uh, I, I there's some things I I appreciate about cancel culture but for me the most just honesty I just want to see the honest and the honesty about our pasts and about who these people are at present and they can be you know named now I think it makes it more uncomfortable because some of these people are making works that we like or we we, we respect their art 
but we don't respect them as people. And it, I think awareness is the most important thing. That's like the first step, just to know what's going on, to, to make sure that women especially are free to speak about what's happening behind the scenes. And, you know, in her leather, she's doing that. And you know, she's doing something very brave in the sense that she's sacrificing a potential livelihood and a career as an artist to get away from the people who actually kind of make the art happen on that commercial level. I mean, you are right that um, film is not the only industry where there is bad behaviour. There's been like a series of stories very recently in the UK, the head of the CBI, which is like a, I'm not sure if it's a government or non-governmental um, organisation, which is uh, involved in promoting industry, had to resign fairly recently for being you know, inappropriate and badly behaved with female staff. And then I think just last week, someone who was the head of Tesco, which is one of the of the biggest supermarkets in the UK yeah. um, had to resign over being you know, inappropriate and uh, not behaving himself with female members of staff. This is, it is rife. And I absolutely agree. Transparency um, is uh, one of the most valuable weapons uh, in the fight for, you know, a better future. But the film business, um, is traditionally not very good with transparency. Yeah. It's a you know it, it's it's a, a business built around the very core of telling seductive lies. Yeah, um, and so you know it's unsurprising that seductive lies will then seep off the screen and into the real world. Yeah, you know we we don't uh, look at pictures by Adolf Hitler, do we? We don't kind of say, well, you know, he was a, he was a, a reasonable artist, even yeah. though I disagree with some of his ideas. I mean, you know, there's, there's no ambiguity there. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, maybe it's, you know, not an entirely appropriate analogy, but um, I wonder whether in, in the same way that, I don't know whether you know who Gary Glitter is, who was like a British pop star who was very popular in the 70s and then, um, was kind of put away for sex offences against children. You know, people you know don't play Gary Glitter records anymore, um, even though he recorded all his records you know forty years ago or more. Um, I wonder whether we may reach a point before too long where people will just decide, you know what, we're not going to schedule any of these Roman Polanski films anymore. You know, these films that were produced by Harvey Weinstein, we're just not going to schedule them anymore. You know, they will fade away. They will not be part of the the central canon of of cinematic culture, yeah. it, it will disappear. Does that mean that people in general will behave better within the film industry, though? I don't know. David O. Russell apparently is a very problematic, difficult yeah. person. Oh, yeah. um, but he has still been making movies until very recently. Um, I'm not sure how much genuine hope I hold for a total revolution yeah. in the, the attitudes of wealthy and powerful people towards women yeah you raised a good question like it you'd like to think that oh when these guys die off or they leave the industry entirely that all will be well um but you know and again it would be important that their history stays with them that it, that we know who they are in the future as we do in the present i do wonder to a certain extent like some of the people from the golden age i'm sure there were also sons of bitches in 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 charge of the industry that we know a little bit about but we probably don't know nearly as much about yeah. due, due to the nature of uh, uh social media and and archives and and telecommunication and all that so um i think there's just have always been bastards and i think <laughs> the reason it's so frustrating is because it's very often the bastards who sort of rise to the top 
because they just have that very um, centralized view of making a profit on the backs of others and treating others however they want to in order to achieve their own successes, I think. So I think it's more about like the, the, the classic um, power corrupting sort of theme and the fact that people they sort of get inflated. They inflate themselves to this point where they feel like they can treat anyone uh, the way they want to because they're in a position of power. So for me, I like being powerlessness. It makes me kind of a nicer guy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to explain to somebody a while ago um, – where the screenwriter's role is in the power structure of um, the <laughs> film industry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was laughing as well. And, um, and I was kind of trying to explain, you know, in, in the centre of the film industry, you know, the, the people right at the centre are producers. And then close to those yeah. producers, there'll be, you know, important directors yeah. and major film stars. Yeah. And then you know, the further you get out from that epicentre, you'll have people who are, you know, big supporting actors and people who are casting agents and, you know, people who have you know, less power, but they are still powerful. And that power gradually wanes the further you get away from the the center of the city yeah and if you go all the way to the very very outermost circle of the city um yeah you will find there's a bus stop <laughs> and every every tuesday and saturday a bus leaves that bus stop and it goes like over the hills um to a tiny abandoned village and in the basement of a wrecked house in that abandoned village that's where they keep the screenwriters <laughs> all gathered around like a 20 watt bulb waiting for a phone to ring which yeah. never rings yeah um so yeah, i mean i certainly am not in a position where i have um, oh, very much power the power yeah. I do have I have two kinds of power um, just like you which is I have the power to choose not to work on a project yep. um, and I have the power to choose what I watch as well you know uh, we're not just writers but we're also consumers of cinema mm -hmm. and so we can make a choice about what we consume or we can make a choice about what we say no to yeah I have a like a you know a very very peripheral, um, not much of an anecdote about this. There was a project that I was involved with uh, five years ago or so, which mm. had an executive producer involved who was bringing some money into the project. Project never ended up getting made, but he was bringing some money in. Who was you know apparently notoriously handsy with mm. with young women, and I remember going to it was a a reading. Um, which my uh, agent had set up and he and his assistant were kind of saying, oh, just uh, uh, make sure you keep so-and-so away from oh, you know, all the young women in the room. And so, you know, their job was just to try and, you know, keep him occupied and make sure that he just, you know, he just spoke to the young men. And, yeah. and, he, and so, uh, you know, they would ask me, oh, make sure you go over and speak to so-and-so. And I had, you know, a chat with him about this and that okay. um, just to distract him from then cornering some, you know, vulnerable twenty-year-old woman in the in the yeah. you know in the dark end of the room, um, and you know, and you look back now, and at the time, I felt you know a little bit embarrassed and a little bit whimsical and a little bit like I felt like I was doing the right thing by just trying to distract him. But yeah. you look back on it now, and you kind of think, well, wait a second, why was that acceptable that, that yeah. you know his behaviour should just be you know mitigated against rather than called yeah. out? That's right. Like you think, you have to conform to his way of doing exactly. things. Exactly. Yeah. I think, um, you know, to a certain extent, things have improved. Well, I, I, I see it as like a growing industry, even if it's been around for 100 years. Casting couches were much more common probably even 40 and 50 years ago. And I think we've had some growth away from that, some evolution, um, probably not nearly enough. But I think, yeah. you know, 
people who are calling out uh, some of the, the real transgressors, I think that's a positive thing because now we've got some power where people are listening, I think, and we are a bit more open in the eyes to, to what's really happening and who, and who these players are. And I think that's, that's a step in the right direction. Again, it's slow. It's far too slow, but in growing, we're, I think we're having growing pains, and that's why we sort of wrestle with them. This separation of art and artist, I think, as well. Um, so it's natural. I think it's a long game, sadly, a lot of the human race. I mean, I think we're used to things happening fast, 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 but human evolution is slow. So I think that we've made even any progress has to be at least a tiny step in the right direction. Oh, it's, it, yeah, it's nice to move in the right direction, but I do slightly worry that we're it's not fast enough, not isn't it? Near, this is the other yeah. thing that Adele Hannell refers to in her letter, isn't it? Which she just says that, that um, you know, under capitalism, you know, there is a, a clear imminent danger to all life on earth. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's nice to have movement in the right direction. It's you know, <laughs> dreadful that the movement is tiny baby steps. Yes, but you know right. what? Are we just going to run out of time? Is the earth going to get rid of us before we're able to effect any proper social change? I suspect it I is. I think a little you know, bit. Yeah. Uh, what, you know, what, what consolation is it to the woman who gets sexually assaulted tomorrow yeah. that we can tell her, oh, in 30 years' time, yeah. it'll all be much no, better, my dear. You yeah. kind of think, well, yeah, that's that's not much consolation, yeah. is it? She has, I, I think, two of her favourite, uh, my favourite lines, they're kind of separated by some distance, but I love it when she talks about homeopathic doses of films <laughs> about her, uh, heroic poor people and exceptional women. And then she's talking about how we're just ignoring all these things in terms of biodiversity collapsing, militarization of Europe, spiraling out of control, um, all these things that we should be talking about and working on. Um, but we get these little glimpses of them. And I think that's one of the bigger questions for me is it's really hard to make... Um, stories that are going to be really widely seen that are about the important issues of um, certainly, you know, climate change or militarization of the entire world or um, sexism in the film industry. It's hard to get those films made because the people who are in, in the power of, you know, green lighting films aren't really interested in that. And also because yeah. they're not, again, they're not commercially, they're going to make a lot of money. But I mean, these are the at least the themes that we need to get into films, if not the films uh, themselves, need to be made about these issues, and they won't be. That's, I think, that's the... And you see a little bit of it here and there, but that for me, that's really discouraging because that's just snail's pace when we need to really be running like a the hare, I guess, or the rabbit. I mean. It often strikes me... Going, just going back to that idea about um, whether it's worth cancelling films that many people have worked on for the sake of the actions of the person at the helm mm. it's, it's a little bit like the trolley problem i think that kind of like famous philosophical question of oh well there's there's a runaway train coming down the track yeah. and you can um if you uh, if you divert it you can reduce the number of people who die mm -hmm. but not eliminate them altogether so you have the choice to either send the keep the train going down the track that's going down where it's going to kill five people who are working on the track mm -hmm. or you can pull a lever move the points and send the train, the runaway train down a different track where it will kill one person. Yeah. If you do nothing and if you weren't there, then five people would die. You have the chance to intervene, yeah. save those five people, but then you will kill one person who wouldn't have been killed if you hadn't intervened. Yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, people kind of argue about the trolley problem a lot, but isn't the answer obvious? 
which is, you know, if, if you were to ask the five people whose lives you saved afterwards, yeah. I'm sure they would all say, oh, I'm sorry that one bloke died, but I'm glad you saved us. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm not a fan of utilitarianism, especially in medicine, utilitarianism. Um, would suggest that we are better off murdering one healthy person if it means that seven ill people get to use their organs for organ donation. Yeah. Kind of thing. That doesn't make sense. We don't murder people. But um, but it always struck me that the trolley problem is you know not not a big quandary. It's blooming obvious. Try and save as many lives as yeah, you can. You can. Yeah. And um, you know maybe the, um, the 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 cancel culture question is you know kind of similar. Um, try and try and do the best thing for the most people. Yeah. Um, but the industry heads want to save the train that's worth more money. That's the thing. Right? <laughs> Isn't that it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the industry people want to sell more first-class tickets at the front of the train so that more people can watch the victims be squashed by the wheels. That's right, yes. Precisely. Oh, man. Um, uh, ultimately, uh, you and I can kind of debate this as much as we like, and yeah. it's important that we talk about it. I think our role inside the industry is so small, we're not going to change very much. No. Um, our role as consumers is small. We're not going to change very much. It's like you, like you say, maybe tiny incremental movements. Yeah. Well, at least trying to move in the right direction. Yeah, and I think that's... I think that's I was going to say, yeah, perhaps I'm not going to watch any more Polanski films. Probably not, but again, because they're shite now. <laughs> I think uh, for me also, just writing stories that somehow challenge uh, the current power structure and the ways that we do things currently. And if, if that can be the, you know, you, you might have that one character that's just speaking out against things, or you might have a theme that's really, really um, appropriate or timely in terms of what's going on in the world right now. So I think you can write stories that are that are better, I think, and involve more people and more perspectives in them. I think that definitely will make a difference ultimately, whether they get made or not, you know, you've written it, it's out there and maybe it gets produced. Yeah. If everyone was writing uh, inclusive stories, then, uh, yeah, then producers would have no choice, I suppose. It's either chat GPT or use the inclusive stories. (laughs) I am slightly reminded of a script meeting I went to once where, um, a uh, producer who was also kind of co-writing the project was kind of saying, oh, uh, trans people, they're in the news a lot at the moment. Do you think we can squeeze a trans person into this story? Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of think, well, you know, inclusion is good, but maybe you haven't quite, you know, yeah. maybe, the, maybe the reasoning behind it I don't agree with. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> um, but then, you know, well, actually, maybe the reasoning isn't important as making the progress. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. I, f- I feel like this is an important topic and... I, I, I'm not sure that I've illuminated my thinking any more than before I started reading that fantastically well-written letter. Yeah. Uh, I wish Adele, Hanel, all the best. Yeah. Um, more power to you. I hope I have the bravery to follow in your footsteps. Mm. That's what I have to say. Yeah. I'd say I think uh, she got us thinking. She got us talking. And uh, that's a, those are good things. I think we're... We're, you know, we're struggling with this just the way everyone else is. And I think at least we're struggling. A lot of people will avoid it altogether and not want to struggle and not, not, not want to be uncomfortable. But I was happy to be uncomfortable with you during this popcorn counter. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Bit of discomfort. That's what we like. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is a good popcorn counter. Mm-hmm. Um, we will see you next week for something a little bit more lighthearted. Thank you for joining us. Popcorn counter. 